You know you love. I mean, I'm going to do all that. Really. I'm going to do all that this week. Anyway, um, you know, we're a church that truly believes in reconciliation. Bill Humphreys can get up here with a Patriots jersey on. And uh, I mean, I mean, the kingdom of God, I guess it's the kingdom of God. So, um, so here, here we are there. So wonderful. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the gospel of Matthew chapter 9. Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, I want to welcome those who are watching via live stream as well. Before I get into our text today, uh, next week we're going to do something special. Uh, we're going to have um, uh, something called Give It Away Sunday. And what we're going to do is we're going to take our entire uh, offering and we're going to give it away to other congregations, to local organizations uh, in Elmhurst and in Queens. And one of the reasons we wanted to do that is because God has blessed us as a congregation. God has truly blessed us as a congregation. And secondly, as a way of, we're talking about what it means to be on mission, what it means to be outward focused. And so we want to put our money where our mouth is. And so uh, through the elders and our uh, leadership team, we've been giving it some thought and praying about this. And we thought it'd be a wonderful way to end the Missio Day series that uh, we're on right now, which ends next week. And so next week, the offering is going to go elsewhere. So give a little extra that week as it's going to local congregations that might need some uh, help, some support and all that there. So give a little extra next Sunday, all right? Um, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse number 9. I'm going to be teaching on uh, hospitality as mission, hospitality as mission. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We're going to talk about hospitality as mission. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, would you open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts today, that those of us in this room, those of us watching online, would really be encountered by the truth of your word and by the goodness of your gospel. We offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. One of the more uncomfortable situations in life is feeling like you don't belong. Feeling like you don't belong. We've all had moments where we've been filled with anxiety, wondering whether you should be at a certain place. When you belong to a place, there's a level of freedom. When you belong to a place, there's a sense of joy. When you belong to a place, there's a sense of familiarity. Uh, Yesterday, uh, I needed to get a haircut, and so I went to my barber, but he had uh, too many people online, and so I had to go to another barber. Uh, Don't tell my barber I did that. And when I walked into the other barbershop, when I walked into the barbershop I'm accustomed to, it's like walking into Cheers, you know? It's like where everybody knows your name. 
And they're always glad you came. It's just like you're fist bumping everybody. Boom, boom. Here you go. Good to see you. Good to see you. How's your mother? Good. How's the dog? Fantastic. I mean, we just know each other. We're familiar. But yesterday, I went into a different barbershop. It was a bigger barbershop. It was a barbershop that uh, they didn't know my name at all. And on top of that, no one said hello when I walked in. They didn't even give me the customary barbershop Head nod, like, mm, I know you're not here, but you're here. Mm. It, 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 not, not even the, mm. just totally just like, do I even belong here? And so I sat down waiting to see uh, who's a barber that's not going to mess my hair up. And, you know, some people seem too eager to go to that guy. Oh, that guy, he seems too eager to get me in the chair. Come on in. No one else is going, come on, bro. Come on in. I'm like, no one else is going to the chair. I'll wait. All right. Just, I'll, just, I'll just wait for that guy there. And so I'm waiting, and I didn't know how much longer, so I got up and I said, uh, how much longer uh, until I can go up? And he was so just like irritated that I would ask him a question. God forbid I would give him some business. And he just said it, two people, two people. And he's just cutting the hair and everything like that. And I was just like, do I even belong here? Am I even welcomed here? And the difference was staggering. When I walk into the place where you're familiar, where there's hospitality, there's a sense of openness, a sense of spaciousness, a sense of joy, a sense of familiarity. But when there's no hospitality, the question is, do I even belong here? It's amazing the difference hospitality makes. Now, in this series, we've been focusing on mission. And typically, the image that comes to mind and when we think about mission are, are people going out to reach unreached people, to go to different uh, countries, to go to different parts of the city, to, to reach people who might be far away. And while we've been holding on to that image of mission, I want you to hold on to that, but I want to add another image of mission. I want to give a different kind of image. I want to give a different kind of angle when we think about mission. And I want to think about it this way, that one of the more pow- powerful ways to be sent into mission is to invite people to sit with you. One of the more powerful ways to be sent is to invite people to sit. And so the work of hospitality is one of the most important aspects of mission, and this is what we see in our text. In the text that I just read, Jesus calls Matthew, who is this tax collector. He says, I want you to follow me, and Matthew leaves his profession to become a disciple of Jesus. And Matthew begins to throw a party, a Super Bowl party. He starts throwing a Super Bowl party. He invites all of his friends over. There's chips and there's dip and there's all that there. And his friends are there and tax collectors are there. And as they're eating, religious leaders come on the scene and they pull a few of Jesus' disciples to the side and they ask a very fundamental question. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is he eating with them? Why is he sitting with them? Why are they doing this? Why is he doing this? And so Jesus hears this question, and he responds by saying, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus welcomes these people. He offers them gracious hospitality. And of course, Jesus is our example. And when we look at Jesus in this passage... There are at least two aspects of hospitality that I want to get out to us, that whether you're on your college campus or whether you are in your workplace, whether in your neighborhood, whether in your home, that there are two really foundational and fundamental aspects of hospitality that God wants to get inside of us so that we can be sent out by way of uh, inviting people in to sit in with you. And so uh, two aspects of hospitality that I want to focus on as we look at Jesus. The first is this. 
that hospitality as mission requires the creation of space for outsiders. Hospitality as mission requires the creation of space for outsiders. Now, when I talk about outsiders, I'm talking specifically about people who have never said yes to Jesus or people who might feel like they are far away from Jesus. In our text, Jesus creates space to welcome and connect with people who are considered outsiders. Matthew is a recent convert. Matthew has a bunch of friends, and he throws a party to get his friends, perhaps, to know Jesus, and it's a really wonderful idea. And what I love about Matthew and Jesus together here is they are both offering hospitality at the moment. Matthew opens his home, and Jesus opens his heart. And we need both aspects of hospitality. We need to open our homes, as it were, as well as opening our our hearts. And so uh, Jesus welcomes them, essentially saying, you belong here, essentially saying it is good that you are here. And what's interesting about all this is the people who Jesus is welcoming are people the religious community typically exclude. Jesus is eating with tax collectors. Now, religious people during that time despised tax collectors, and there were a few reasons why. First of all, no one likes to pay money to the government. Amen. Especially when the government is an oppressive regime like the Roman Empire in the first century. Uh, Second, tax collectors were despised because many of them were Jewish people who were working for the Romans against their own countrymen. And so it's like you are a traitor. You, you are working for them, and you're taking advantage of us. And thirdly, the reason they didn't like tax collectors is because tax collectors would, would take beyond what was the normal customary tax, and they would pocket the rest for themselves. And this was common knowledge. No one liked tax collectors. And yet Jesus invites these tax collectors, and he's having a meal with them. And what we see over and over again is how scandalous the grace of Jesus is. That over and over, Jesus uh, scandalizes people by who he associates with. We see it in Jesus over and over that Jesus has the audacity to touch people who were known to be contagious and to sit with people who were known to be corrupt. He touches people who are contagious, whether they are the lepers, and he sits with people who are known to be corrupt. And, And when we see this, we see that the grace of Jesus knows nothing of the limited categories we tend to project onto God. We say, God, you can hang with that person, but why in the world are you sitting with that person? We're happy when God blesses one person. We don't like when God blesses another person. The grace of Jesus knows nothing of our limited categories that we project onto God. And so those who are seen as questionable, those who are seen as with questionable morality and questionable belief system, Jesus doesn't care. He welcomes the people who are seen as contagious, and he even welcomes the people who are seen as corrupt. And here's the irony of all of this. The religious leaders ask, why is he sitting with them? And even in their question, it's revealing something about the state of their spiritual lives at the moment. And I want to just uh, capture the irony in this way, that the irony is that the the person who might be farthest from God might be the person who think others are too far from God. I'm trying. (laughs) 
the person who might be farthest from God might be the person who thinks others are too far from God. Jesus is safe enough for all these people to approach him. He creates space. This past week, I was in uh, Arizona for a couple of days in Phoenix, speaking to a bunch of pastors and leaders, and I had to take a number of Uber rides. And in one of the trips, a woman in her early 30s was the driver. And we started talking, and I told her I'm a pastor, and uh, I asked if she attended church, and she said, no, no, I, I've created my own path. I've created my own path. And I'm not religious, but I'm really spiritual. And so I said, you know, uh, what does that mean to you? Tell me what that means. And she said, I, you know, I take different truths from different religions, and I, I kind of make my own path about that. And so I said, uh, very curiously, I said, is it, is it working for you? Is your path leading to deep joy? Is your path leading to deep fulfillment? And she really didn't have a clear answer at all. And so I started asking her, so you're, 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 you're choosing from different religions. Uh, what do you think about Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? And she thought for a moment, and, and she said, you know, I never really thought about that. And, and we continued to talk, and she, uh, and she continued to share about this custom-made belief system that she created. And at one point, I started asking her questions about, you know, Jesus and God, and, and she, she knows I'm a pastor, and so she started getting a little bit self-conscious. She started apologizing after every answer because she, she didn't think I, she was getting it theologically correct. I know you probably, I, I know I shouldn't be saying this, and it's, it's not what you probably believe. And she kept, everything was a disclaimer and a caveat and, and a little uncomfortable, and it was a, it was a lengthy uh, ride in the car. And I just said, you know, I, I just want to hear your story. Tell me more about that. And and more and more, I'm sitting in her car, and I'm preaching this text. I'm thinking about this text, and I'm thinking, although I'm in her car, I want to create hospitality right now. I want to create a sense of openness, a sense of welcome, a sense that you belong here. I know it's your car, but you belong here right now. <laughs> and she started opening up a little bit more. I started asking her more questions about her journey, more questions about her spiritual life. And then more and more, it was about a 20-minute ride, and she started saying, well, I used to go to church years ago, but my mother stopped going. And when my mother stopped going, I stopped going. I said, tell me, why did your mother stop going? She said, well, we were very poor, and my mother needed some financial assistance one day. And she goes to the church that she was attending, asking if they can support her just a little bit. And the pastor asked her and said, it doesn't show that you're tithing, and because you're not tithing to this church, we can't help you at all. And she said, it was that day that my mother never went back to church. And neither did my family ever go back to church as well. And I realized at that moment, she, she, she felt pushed out. And I said, it makes total sense why I wouldn't want to go back to church after that either. And the conversation continued. I don't know what's going to be made of her life and what's going to happen with her. But at that moment, she just said, you know, I've never really met someone who, who's listening to my belief system, a Christian who's listening to my belief system without judging me right there or trying to convert me right on the spot here. And I told her I'd pray for her. I gave her different churches in the, na- in the area in Phoenix that I heard about. And I said, you know, why don't you give it a shot? These are some good churches here. But in that space there, I, I realized I, I have an opportunity to create a space for a, a so-called outsider. And the irony is those who might be farthest from God are actually the people who think others are too far from God. And so hospitality is to create space. It's to create space. 
And as Henry Nouwen said, hospitality is, is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. You can't change anybody. Only God can change someone. But what we can do is offer a space where change can take place. And what I love about the story is this is not Jesus' house. He, he, it's Matthew's house. Matthew invites Jesus over, but Jesus is creating a space of welcome and hospitality. And what that tells me is that it, it doesn't matter where you're at, you can create hospitality. Some of you in your workplace, in your cubicle, your cubicle can be a place of welcome, a place of hospitality. Your dorm can become a place of welcome, a place of hospitality. Your neighborhood, your home, a small group. We can all create spaces where outsiders can come in. But in order to create a space for outsiders to come in, it requires something else. Here's the second aspect of hospitality that I want to share. And if we don't have this, we don't really have a prayer. Hospitality doesn't just mean that we create space for outsiders. Hospitality as mission also calls us to reimagine holiness. And unless we are creating space for outsiders by reimagining holiness, we're not going to create much space for outsiders. And so I want to just uh, give us some ideas as to how do we reimagine holiness in the way of Jesus. And unless we think about holiness differently than we typically think about it, we're not really going to welcome in many people. In our text, Jesus is sitting with questionable people, and the issue at hand is how Jesus sees holiness versus how the religious leaders see holiness. And I imagine Matthew is at this party with Jesus. They're having a great time. He's taking pictures with his cell phone. He's posting them on Facebook. And the Pharisees are on their timeline. And they're going, wait a second, Matthew's having a party? And is, is that Jesus with them? Why is Jesus? And Matthew changed, you know, he puts the profile picture of him and Jesus. And, and they're just having a great time. And it looks like some real sketchy people. And the Pharisees are on their timeline going, we got to go over there and talk about this. And so they close the laptop. They walk over to the house. <laughs> because it's a village, it's not a long walk. They don't have to take the train or anything like that. They're there in 10 minutes. And they go, uh, we, we hear there's a party here. And why is Jesus with these people? And maybe they're puzzled, maybe they're concerned, maybe they are angry, but they pull the disciples aside and say, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? And the question underneath that question is what we need to focus on. Because at the core of this question is a fundamental difference in terms of how Jesus thought about holiness and how the religious leaders thought about holiness. And through their question, they're saying, Jesus, you should not be associating with these people. You should be separate from those kinds of people. And one of the more important things to navigate as a Christian is the relationship we have with the world. And one of the most misunderstood words in all of the Bible is the word holiness. Holiness. Now, in Scripture... The word holy comes up over and over and over again. And when biblical writers talk about holiness, they write it with a sense of wonder and delight and, and with fear. And, and the two words that come up over and over again in Hebrew and in Greek are the word kadesh and the word hagios. And both of those words, whether in Greek or whether in Hebrew, speak to the word holy meaning to be separate, to be set apart. And as you look through scripture, we think, 
what it means to be holy is often to be set apart. And the language that comes up from time to time is the language of clean and unclean. Those are the categories of holiness. And I want you to see how Jesus kind of um, subverts the language of clean and unclean. To be holy, we often believe, is to remain clean by avoiding unclean environments. Remain clean by remaining uh, by, by avoiding unclean environments and unclean people. Because if you are found out to be in dirty environments, and if some of that dirt gets on you, you are liable to be judged harshly. One of the uh, first stories of holiness that comes to mind, experiences of holiness is uh, when I was eight years old. I think it was my first lesson in holiness. I was playing outside, and my mother had a bag in her hand, and I saw that she bought something for me. She bought me a white sweatshirt. And because I wanted to show off this white sweatshirt, I asked if I could wear it right there. And she said yes, but under the condition that I don't play outside with it and get it dirty. And so as the story would go, after agreeing to her instructions, I went outside to play. And in the neighborhood I grew up in in the 80s in East New York, there were plenty of vacant, abandoned lots with mountains of dirt, wonderful places to play with your toys. And so 10 minutes after I start playing, kind of just I get in the moment, I look down and I look at my shirt and I see there was filthy. Now, at this point, you do two things. You run away and you never come back. You just never come back. Or secondly, you face the music. And so I get to my grandmother's house. My mother was there down the block. And my mother sees me and she says, it's time to go home. (laughs) Which is code for something really bad is about to happen. And so we go home, some of you might be wondering, Rich, did you survive? What happened? (laughs) I want to give you a Bible verse. I'm going to show you about to explore this, what happened here. In Hebrews 10, it says, it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. (laughs) This is my translation. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a Puerto Rican mother. Just like, (laughs) just, I don't wear white to this day. It's just like, I just like, just. When we think about holiness, that's often our very limited understanding of the word. We have to remain clean and keep ourselves from any unclean environments and any unclean people. And the spiritual life then becomes uh, about following Jesus and avoiding anything that's not clean. Avoiding any people that's not clean. And so holiness, basically, when this is the framework, the exclusive framework of seeing holiness... Holiness becomes a fear-based way of living that causes Christians to have postures of being above, against, or apart from the world. A fear-based kind of disposition, posture of being, of being above, apart, or against the world. 
And so what typically happens is people become Christians, but because we're not taught how to interact with people who are not Christians, we only have a posture of being against or of being above or being apart. And so we, we have defined holiness exclusively in exclusive terms as do not get dirty and do not surround yourself with any unclean environments. And here Jesus is sitting with tax collectors and sinners. It's either that Jesus is coming against the Bible or Jesus is showing us how to truly read the Bible. In the religious leader's mind, holiness is about what you abstain from. In Jesus' mind, holiness is about what you give yourself to. And here is the fundamental difference. When holiness is seen as only what you avoid, that's a very superficial and reactionary way to live. Usually when something's wrong with our lives, we often focus on the externals of it. And we think, if I can just deal with the externals of it, this will solve the problem. But over and over again, we see that doesn't work. And so whether it's with sexual addiction, some folks who maybe are battling pornography, they say, I'll just get rid of the laptop. I'll get rid of the phone. And, and that's the only way that the, the issue is dealt with. And when the issue is only dealt with on externals, it, the issue is not really dealt with because you can avoid everything, but, but, but you're still there. And so Jesus, his understanding of holiness is not about what you abstain from, but about what you give yourself to. And so surely to be holy means to be set apart, but for Jesus to be holy means to be sent apart, set apart for the purpose of love and compassion and hospitality. This is the fundamental difference with Jesus. This is what he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's what you give yourself to. And at the end of the day, the person who is most holy is the person who loves most deeply. And so you could avoid every unclean environment and still not love well. In God's eyes, that's not holiness. Jesus is with tax collectors and sinners, dirty, unclean people. And here Jesus is the personification of holiness. Holiness is what you give yourself to. And so for Jesus, the essence of it is compassion and justice and love and hospitality. And if we're going to be people on mission, it means that we need to welcome those who might be considered unclean. Welcome those who don't believe like we believe. Welcome those who might have a different way of understanding sexuality that as we do. Welcome those who might not live in the way that we do. Unless we are in close proximity with those who are unclean, we're not really doing the work of Jesus. Now, let me give a, a, a pastoral caveat here, just a, a caveat, a disclaimer that it's important because surely there are times that you need to avoid things. If you struggled with alcoholism, you know, doing ministry in a bar, uh, that's just not a wise thing to do. <laughs> you struggle with gambling, having mission trips to Atlantic City, uh, I don't think that's led by the Spirit. And so surely there are some things that we need to avoid. But if holiness is only seen as what you avoid, 
We're not doing holiness in the way of Jesus. Holiness is what you give yourselves to. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, when's the last time we have invited someone who the world or other Christians might deem as unclean? When's the last time you've been in close proximity with someone who if typical church people see you with them, they're going, why is that person sitting with that kind of person? It's very easy for us Christians to get in our enclaves and our bubbles and live so above and against and apart that we can't be salt and light. And so we need to redefine holiness and create space for outsiders. This is why we have Alpha, Alpha. Anyone who's, who wants to learn about what it means to follow Jesus, what's the scriptures all about, this is why we create a space at New Life where there's food and anyone who wants to come, whatever your belief system is or no belief system at all, anyone is welcome here. And you can ask whatever questions you want. We want to create a safe space at New Life so that hospitality can take place. This is why in our small groups, when we, I mean, we should always be thinking about if you're gathering in small groups around the city, who was the neighbor that I could be inviting here to share a meal? Who are the people that the world and the church consider unclean that Jesus would invite us to move towards? And hospitality is simply presence, simply listening, curiosity. It's not the place, it's not our place to change people. We can't change people, but we create, we can create a context where change can take place. And so Jesus creates space for these outsiders. Jesus redefines holiness. And in the simplicity of this, Jesus tells us what's really happening when hospitality was done well. The religious leaders see about this and they go, uh, why is he sitting with tax collectors and eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus gives us language to let us know what's happening when hospitality, gospel hospitality, kingdom of God hospitality, the way of Christ-like hospitality takes place. What's happening? Jesus is saying there's some healing that's taking place. Hospitality is a way towards healing. There's something powerful about Christians being willing to be present with people without trying to fix them or change them. And letting God do the changing. Amen. Let God do the fixing. But we can create a space where change can take place. Hospitality is not to change people but to offer them space where change can take place. This is why I've said in different contexts, one of the reasons why Christians never have friends who are not Christians is because friendship is not our end goal. It's often a kind of bait and switch. And so you're sitting with someone and then, can I give you a little presentation right now? And they're like, ah, I knew this was coming. I want, I want everyone to come to know Jesus. I want every person to say yes to him. I want everyone to be saved in that respect there. 
but we often think we're the ones to do the changing. And we live with this sense of fear. And Jesus is known as a friend of sinners. Hospitality is not to change people. Let God do that. But to offer them space where change can take place. Let me end with this. Last week, um, Rosie and I, we stopped by just briefly to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And while I was there, I was reminded that there was an exhibit, a famous exhibit, and I've talked about it from this context here as well on this platform. Uh, And the exhibit was called The Artist is Present by a woman by the name of Marina Abramovich. And the exhibit was very simple. She would sit there in this kind of square of light and just be present, offering a kind of hospitality of the soul to people who would just want to sit with her and enjoy presence. And there were over 1,500 people who went through this exhibit over the course of about three months. And there was a photographer there who was just taking pictures of people's reactions by just sitting with her there. A space was created. She sat there essentially as a way of saying, I'm present with you. I'm here. No words exchanged, kind of a hospitality of the soul. And I love the reactions of people. I I see these reactions as responses of joy, responses of finally someone has seen me. Finally, I kind of belong here. Here's some of the reactions there of people who were just sitting with her. There's nothing like feeling like you belong, like someone sees you, like you belong there. And that image there of someone sitting there is really a wonderful image of what Jesus does with us. Jesus is sitting with tax collectors and sinners. They got bad theology. They're living however they want. They're living in ways against the kingdom of God. They're corrupt and they're contagious. And yet Jesus is eating in close proximity with these people. And Jesus knows something about hospitality. He knows something about how transformation takes place. Paul says it this way. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It is not repentance that leads to the kindness of God. And we think if I get my, if I repent, then God will be kind with me. God says, no, I'm giving you my kindness. I'm moving close to you. And it is out of that place that transformation takes place. And so here's the beautiful reality. Wherever you're at today in life, whether you have memorized the Bible or whether you can't find your Bible, whether you know all the songs or you're singing out of tune, Whether you have perfect attendance at church or this is your first time in a long time, Jesus says, there's space for you at the table. 
Jesus says, you're welcome here. You belong here. There's always room at God's table because of what Jesus has done for us. And it is only God who can change people. And so if Jesus welcomes us, how dare we not welcome other people? We are to now welcome others in the way that we have been received by God. And Jesus says, the only condition upon being received and coming to my table is very simple. You don't base your entrance to the table on your righteousness. Because if you're basing entrance to the table on your righteousness, it's just not going to work out. Jesus would say, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. And what he means by that is this. You guys, you religious leaders have your own righteousness based on your standards. And unless you drop those standards and recognize you're just as messed up as everybody else, you can't sit here. But if you recognize, listen, I don't even belong here. He said, there's a seat for you at the table. Come on in. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. Why? Because the healthy don't need a doctor. It is only those who recognize they are sick that Jesus says, have a seat. You're welcome here. Let's pray together. Let me invite the worship team to come forward and those who are going to offer communion to come to the tables, which is a fitting way to end the sermon on hospitality, to take communion together. I wonder today, there are two things at work here. For some of you, you don't feel like you belong at the table with Jesus because maybe you haven't been living up to what you think his standards are. And yet Jesus, all he's asking is for us to say, Lord, we can't come to this table based on our our own merit, but based on your mercy. That's all we need. And I wonder who else, out of that place of being welcomed by Jesus, I wonder who are the people that Jesus is calling you to welcome? Folks with different theologies and different sexualities and different morality and all that there. Recognizing that we can't change anyone, but we certainly can create a space where change can take place. And I wonder who Jesus is inviting you to welcome. Lord Jesus, we confess today that often we have received your welcome, but we haven't offered it to others. We've created our own boundaries and restrictions and standards. And so, Lord, help us to repent today, to live in a way that's more consistent with your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's all stand together. I want to lead us in communion. And we're going to pray this prayer of confession together. And as we pray this prayer of confession, we're praying it because we have often cut people off from coming to the table. 
surely we can get to the table based on God's mercy. But then what happens is we create our own entrance form for other people. And so we need to repent of that. I need to repent of that. We need to offer the welcome that Jesus has offered to us. We can't change anyone, but we create a space for people to be changed. And so when you, when you come and you take the bread and dip it in the cup, just go back to your seat out and just hold it there. Who, as you're holding the bread in your hands, just like, close your eyes and say, is there a name that comes to mind? Is there a face that comes to mind? Who is Jesus inviting you to move close to as a form of hospitality? And when you come, I'll, I'll come back up and lead us. But let's pray this prayer of confession together together almighty God our heavenly father we have sinned against you through our own fault in thought in word indeed in what we have done in what we have left undone for the sake of your son our Lord Jesus Christ forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name amen please come forward From the inside of me, may you divide in the inside, in the inside of me, come from the inside. Yeah.
Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's all take together. We're going to close just singing that together again. Sing it with everything we have. We take communion together, and when you realize who Jesus is offering communion to and those words, he's offering it to people who are going to betray him, desert him, abandon him. He knows all this, and he still says, You are my friends. Let's share this meal together. What staggering hospitality! What gracious welcome. This is the God who knows all about you, your sins and your hangups, your fears and your failures, and he still says, come on in. Pure grace, pure mercy. Let's sing this with everything we have. Let's sing this chorus with everything we have. And may this be our prayer today to lift God up in the way that we glorify him by welcoming others who might feel far from God. Let's sing this with everything we have. Fill my life.
Let's lift our hands together. Yes, Lord. It's for you. Let's sing that again. That's our prayer. That's what we want, Lord. All I want is for you. You to be glorified. You to be One more time, sing that group. my life. Let's sing that. Fill my life. Yes, Lord. Last time, they sing that out. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. All I want is for you, you to be glorified, you to be lifted up. Amen. Amen. Let's have our prayer team come to my left. Some of you today, maybe you came in here today wondering, does God welcome you? And when we read the Gospels, we see over and over again that Jesus welcomes people who the church and the world might think are not suitable to be in his presence. This is pure kingdom of God grace, supernatural love, endless mercy, God's love for you. And it is God's love that always comes before transformation. You don't change your way into God's love. You are loved into transformation. And we are invited to create spaces for people so that when spaces are safe enough 
And when there's a sense of openness and receptivity, we can then say, yeah, there is a Jesus we want to introduce you to. There is a God who can transform you. There is a God who can forgive you of your sins. And it's out of that space that we want to be followers of Jesus. And so to be on mission is not just to be sent out. To be on mission is to welcome in and to sit with. And for those of you who don't feel worthy enough, maybe feel shame and guilt, our prayer team is here. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you to anoint you with oil as a sign of God's presence in your life, God's love and his grace. And so for whatever need you have, maybe you've been bound by addiction, you've been covered by shame and failure, you just need some freedom today. We'd love to pray for you. And maybe you need strength today because this is not just for us, this message. This is for the people that God will call us to welcome and to invite. Maybe there's people that you know by name, family members that maybe they're on the margins, unwelcomed. Maybe God is calling you to start welcoming some people, not to fix them, not to change them. Only God can do that, but to create a space where change can take place. And so whatever, whether it's for you, whether it's for folks that you know God is calling you to, you can come forward for prayer. As we close, open your hands to receive a blessing here. I want to invite those who are watching online to open your hands as well. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. Oh, everlasting love. His grace is beyond what we could ever imagine. And he meets us where we're at. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, offering welcome to those who might feel like they are far from God. And may God give you wisdom and boldness and courage and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leading, that you would be a person who welcomes in, offers hospitality, and may transformation of people's lives come out of a simple imitation of welcome and hospitality. May the Lord use you with great power this week. I bless you all today in the strong and the beautiful and the welcoming name of Jesus and everyone.